Hello, everyone. This is Debbie Happy Cohen, and the podcast is called The Sassy Southern Yankee. You can find this podcast at joybaseliving.com if you want to see all the episodes uh, or hear them. Or I am joined by Michelle Stone for this season of podcast. I forgot what it's called. It's a season or a section. Anyway, um, season two, I, I forget <laughs> words. So season two of this podcast is with Michelle Stone and we started it after the Corona started and we call it like the Rona is what we call it. The Corona, the Rona, like it's a dance or something crazy like that. And we started this podcast for moms and families and dads too, like for parents and families to be able to get some sanity. And one of the things that um, Michelle discovered in herself a few months ago was a sense of lioness. And so lioness became like a key word, which made the whole thing a little bit more feminine angled. But really, if you're a dad, you probably like this too. If you're looking for encouragement, if you're looking for a sense of sanctuary, if you're looking for some education, I have a background in I've been a coach for more than 20 years, life and business coach. And when you're talking about life and business, you're talking about leadership and parenting and leadership really have the same skill set at their essence. And Michelle, um, she is an artist and she's an art curator and she leads classes in art and in art therapy. Um, we have really been enjoying your likes and your comments please keep them coming today we are on episode number 33 and if you wanted to find it you would just go to joybaseliving.com and then either click on lioness in the top menu or go to the bottom search bar and type lioness and episode 33 and you'll you'll get to this one i'm saying that because Michelle and I are both artistic and we're both visual. And if anybody's coming in from a podcast arena, which we're showing up at iTunes and Stitcher and all the different and, and Spotify, um, at like seven different channels, then if you wanted to see the visuals that we talk about, you could easily find us here. And so the podcast, you'll be able to just press play um, within the blog Host of episode 33. And today's topic is um, about being an overgiver. Uh, some people call it codependent. Um, being an overgiver comes with superpowers. And it also, uh, people who are overgivers have kryptonite as well. So we wanted to explore those ideas because we, Michelle and I, and a lot of our close friends, have been overcoming that for the last few years in a very intense way because you can't be an imbalanced overgiver and have joy. And <laughs> I'm the founder of Joy Based Living. And so that is not acceptable. And when we unearthed some of the things that thank you for laughing <laughs> that were in our well, that were I know that were in our way, it was actually really hard, but we're gonna try to kind of hand it to you on a silver platter, which you probably deserve um, because of the giving that you do. And so we're going to look at the different facets of overgiving, including the superpower, including the kryptonite, including how it helps people, including the kind of things that you really need in order to function well as an overgiver. Um, so rather than trying to change an overgiver to not be an overgiver, which I have found to be nearly impossible that would be like asking the incredible hulk when he's angry not to be angry <laughs> like try getting an overgiver to not be an overgiver and you are a slam dunk effed like right. it's not it, it, they might as well bang your head against the wall and you're gonna have a more fun time doing that and more successful at something i don't know what but um banging your head against the wall at least you would stop because it would hurt <laughs> <laughs> okay true confession day um and so so uh we've been successfully uh, navigating the overgiving through some of the so we want to share with you some of our tips and techniques and some of the things that we're still overcoming 
but what it is that we're doing to balance ourselves and strengthen ourselves, which is just really, it's actually really fun. Um, when we, when we're supportive of each other and we know that other people have had the same things going on in them, we don't feel so alone. Right. And we like cheer each other on and stuff. So, um, Michelle, I know that we had talked like beforehand and that I, like, I have a bunch of like bullet point notes. Should I just jump into that? Or do you want to share something before I do that? Like I could go either way. What would you like? Um, let's go ahead. No, I think that you've explained it pretty well and everything. So let's go ahead and maybe jump into the, the, the bullet points. Okay. So when we're talking about superpowers, um, the superpowers of overgivers, I think it, they're kind of, in a way, they're obvious. Like you really want to make a contribution. You really have a big heart. You're really generous. You're really philanthropic. You're really caring. You know what people's needs are. Like if you think about the strengths of somebody like Cinderella, mm. when she had to be Cinderella because her mom died and she had this evil stepmother like she was she loved she she because she wasn't like she wasn't resentful while she was meeting everybody's needs she was like I yeah here's what I gotta do and then she wanted to go to the ball and then she started taking care of herself but like if you think about why we love her so much it's because she overgives and she doesn't hate mm, yeah Right. And so if you think about an overgiver in that respect, that can get, it can help you get a good picture in your mind about like, am I an overgiver? You'll get a yes or no. Because people who are not overgivers, they know it. People who are selfish have, or have a more selfish nature. And I don't say that with judgment. I say that with self-awareness. People who are like, oh, yeah, I take care of myself. They know that. And, and so if you are an overgiver or if you know an overgiver, so the imbalance for overgivers is that they are not aware of what they really need in order to be strong for themselves. Yes. Right. And then even when they become clear about what they need, they still don't put it on the front burner or it takes them an awful lot of conviction to be able to put it on the front burner. And sometimes that means that they end up getting sick. So now they can rest. Yeah. And I, and I think that sometimes they also, because they're giving so much that, that it's hard for them, not that it's hard, but it's uncomfortable because it's something new. So like anytime, you know, you're doing something new that that's always going to be a little, a little weird. And so when they start to step into it, um, like, when was it two years ago, you were like, okay, I think you need to start having, um, a, a day with your calendar every day or every week, every week. And so you were like, okay, so do it like either Sunday or Monday at the beginning of the week. So then that way you can start your week off. And I did it very intermittently because I was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm taking time away from, and it took me quite a while, not quite a while, not like, you know, years, but it took me a couple of months to get into the habit of, you know, I need this time for myself to set right, up my, because it took like an hour or two block. Yeah. To, to block out the rest of and to look at my week and say, okay, well, Monday is this and Tuesday is that and Wednesday is this. But what's happened is fast forward to now, when we first started doing this podcast, I'm in such good space with taking care of myself and, and meeting my calendar needs. And, and um, so we've had two separate podcasts, one about the calendar and how, like at the very beginning, um, how it, I was grieving the loss of my routine. Mm -hmm. right with corona <clears throat> with the rona yep mm -hmm. yep with the rona and then most recently um uh, like the last podcast or two podcasts ago no i think it was two podcasts ago um where i was talking about how i've actually given myself i have a little 20 minute checklist every day of all these self-care things <laughs> that I'm doing. Like, like now i'm totally in self-care mode 
you know, where I've got things to choose from, or if I really want to be in a completely self-care mode, I can, I can go from self-care to self-care, you know, self, I don't want to call them a task, but self-care 20 minutes, you know, and doing activities. activities mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like I, I can probably spend all day in self-care if I really chose to, but it's uncomfortable and it's weird. And so when you step so into let's, that. Let's talk about the uncomfortable and weird. So you did this doodle, I think that describes the uncomfortable and weird. Mm-hmm. Would you like to describe it? So um, Debbie and I were talking about feeling guilty and you know with the feeling guilty for like putting ourselves first and so as she was talking about it I was like okay what does that look like and then I think you you mentioned the word guilt grenade and when you said the word guilt grenade I immediately got this vision of because we were talking about you know putting others like if if we if we put up if so we all have a psyche and so if we put others in our psyche as as the primary center center of our psyche then we're not taking care of ourselves so when we take those people out and put ourselves in the center of our psyche then we feel guilty and so that's where the guilt grenade is coming from in the center of the psyche so I looked up an image like you know where's the psyche you know trying to figure it out and um and I came across this person like looking down if you're above a person and you're looking down at like the front of their face and then you have the bullseye where the psyche would be like in the very center of the top of their head and then you've got this grenade like coming out of nowhere just trying to land down into the middle of the bullseye in the top of the person's head so that's the image and and it's going to be on the um the the podcast on joy-based living but it just you know like taking that that guilt grenade and blowing up that psyche is is what my thought process was that that's what guilt feels like so so when you were to like take some time off and say okay i'm going to take this time for me It was like your psyche would explode. Oh yeah, it was, it was like, like oh god, I can't do that. Oh, I, I, I'm feeling it already. Like this, this anxiousness. This like, well, what will people think? I don't want to make somebody mad, or, or you know, like, well, how will I get everything done if I'm not doing all of that? And then I'm taking care of myself. Like all of these different excuses rose up. It's like, it's like, uh, you just sounded like Cinderella. Did I just know? Yeah. Wow. Like the Cinderella at the beginning or the one she started taking care of herself? No. And the be like, how can I take care of myself and yeah. do all that? Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. it was like this, like fear. It's like fear driven, mm-hmm. um, a, a fear driven decision making mode, which is really really it's like the self contradicting the self it's like someone else being at the driver's seat and you trying to figure out how to get your needs met when the person who's driving doesn't even want to pull off to let you pee right yeah so that like okay so i want to bring some like marriage and family therapy to like this conversation okay like one of the things that, that you learn like in systems therapy, which works in business as well as in home in homes is when you have somebody who's really, really strong, you can look around and see that others are weaker than they should be. Mm, yes. And so the overcompensation of like being too strong for everybody and overgiving actually hurts the people that you love. Because you're not, you don't give them as much of a chance as they should have in letting them fall down, letting them feel their own weakness, letting them feel their own, um, feel their own strengths. Let them like when they fall down, letting them feel their, their butt on the ground when they hit the ground from learning how to bicycle ride. Right. You know, and then they go, oh, I don't want to do it that way. 
So then, because then they become better learners when they're not, okay, I'm going to say it, when they're not suffocated by an overgiver. But like I said in the beginning, I'm not going to try to tell you to not be an overgiver. I want to talk about ways of strengthening you. So one mm-hmm. of the things, is that okay if I go there, Michelle? Yeah, 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 go there, go there. So, so um, one of the worst kryptonites for overgivers is being surrounded by overtakers, people who will take, 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 take. Right. So one of the keys to turning that around is consciously stop being compulsive and start being conscious consciously surrounding yourself by other overgivers who are also learning to be more conscious mm. and when you do that as you know michelle it becomes a party right because then you're like wait a minute they're giving back to me and then you have to soften yourself in the inside to become a better receiver right and not sabotage what you are now receiving from the people who are giving to you which is it's just it's just so exciting. And so, so being an overgiver, one of the things you can do is surround yourself by other overgivers who are conscious in their bodies, who go up, oh, if I do that for you, I'm going to feel resentful because I'm going to be going over the top. Okay, I'm going to back off. Or somebody who goes, you know, I really wanted to do that for you. Um, and I felt really guilty that I couldn't. So kind of like rot- navigating between guilt and resentment Mm-hmm. that if I overgive, I'm going to feel resentful. And if I don't give enough, I'm going to feel guilty. And when you can be tuned into your body in that way, then you actually become really powerful because then what happens with a lot of overgivers or codependent people is that it's two hours later or two days later or two weeks later that they're like, Oh my gosh, I should have said blah, 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 blah. And when you're in your body, you become able to function. And when you're dealing with other overgivers who are conscious, they will actually give you space. Right. And they will say to you, please take your time thinking about this. I want you to tune into your body. I want you to notice what feels good because that's what an overgiver does. Yeah, so like take your time, take your time and let me know what really works for you. What would you really love? And so, so surrounding yourself by other conscious overgivers is, is key. And also recognizing who are the people who take and don't even look twice and who will take from you to the point of depletion and not even bat an eye. Right. And so when you can recognize who those people are, then you can learn to set boundaries and, and do that kind of thing. Now, the one thing that we have done really well, and I'm so proud of us for this, and I want to offer this up to anybody who's looking for it, is we have navigated our understanding of uh, trauma, emotional trauma. And if anybody wants a deeper understanding of that, I think it's at the, it's at the heartbeat of what makes overgivers so hard to change that guilt that you're talking about. Right. What underlies guilt is fear. Well, what's fear? If fear is ongoing, it's trauma. Right. And so if you want to check out the book Sanctuary for Mantras for Thriving After Emotional Trauma, when an overgiver has been depleted constantly by people who are taking, taking, taking overtakers, um, that trauma will continue to be perpetuated until it's healed at its core. And so when you get to be at the center of your psyche, codependency is a moment in time when someone else lives at the center. Mm -hmm. Now I, I always take things to the extreme in my imagination. So if you have like a baby who has like a lot of sicknesses and stuff like that, and you have to do like 24 hour caretaking, they're going to be in a big part of your psyche, but somebody who's conscious is going to maintain their center better. And we call those people like enlightened. Right. So at the very extreme, it can be very, very, very hard. So this isn't me saying you should, this is me saying, yeah, I know it's hard, but this is what you're going to have to do if you want to feel more joy. And, and, and so to be at the center of your psyche means, okay, I know I'm doing the best that I can right now. And, you know, like, 
you're making conscious decisions to keep doing that caretaking, for example. So that's the extreme of caretaking. But a lot of times overgivers care give and caretake even when they don't need to because they don't have a sick infant around. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But somebody yeah. else still lives at the center of their psyche. And if it's not another person, it's another thing or another idea. So when I, when I, when I came up with that definition of codependency, it was in that same conversation as the guilt grenade. It was awesome was a moment of time, a, a moment of time when someone else lives at the center of your psyche. That is the opposite of sanity. Oh, yeah, no, right? no. Sanity is I live at the center of my psyche. I'm conscious. You know, that phrase, I just want to interject real quick. You know, yes. that phrase, um, that definition of insanity is. Yeah, is. Um, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a, a different response or a different, yes. a, a different solution or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that's it. It's like if you consistently have someone else in the center of your psyche, and then you're like, okay, so let's say that you know it's it's someone, and then you decide that oh, you no longer you figured it out, you no longer want them, mm -hmm. and you don't heal yourself. Mm -hmm. And then you put yourself in another situation where, you know, you meet someone else in whatever shape, form that looks like, whether it's romantic or business or, you know, whatever friendship. Um, and then you, again, put that next person in the center of your psyche. You, it's, this, it's the same well, thing. And, and, not... and it's, all, it's all, yeah, no, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, it's not changing. You're not, you're not putting you in the center of your psyche. It, it's not only not changing, but the, those type of people that you're going to attract mm -hmm. are people who are either overtakers rather than overgivers, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, or they are like, so, so for example, they might be narcissistic. They might be just like unconsciously taking, taking, taking from your feelings, your ideas, your beliefs, your energy, you know, just over overly taking mm -hmm. or like they might be genuinely needy people like you, if, the overgivers I know will either meet people I'm going to give like wealthy and poor examples but they don't have to be wealthy and poor but I just want to put images in your mind that make sense so they might meet a wealthy narcissistic person and become their best friend or they might meet a very poor poor person who has got a lot less than them and become their best friend. Mm, yes. So in either case, they're positioning themselves to be an overgiver. And because it happens time and time and time again, it is actually compulsive. And that's why it's so important to go, okay, maybe there's some trauma running my software. Mm-hmm. And then that's where you can begin to heal because you bring it up to the surface. And so the sanctuary book just kind of opens, it's a gateway book. It's not a solution. It's going to fix everything in your life book. It is a, Oh, here's what I'm dealing with. Oh, okay. Got it. <laughs> and then here are the resources, right? Yeah. So um, that's the kryptonite of overgivers is overtakers and needy people. So what you were describing and overgivers will actually turn people into overtakers. Yeah, they will. You know? And so it's, it's just, it's, it's fascinating. Um, so how to stop the guilt grenade? Self-care. Yep. Ki kindness to self and knowing what you need and feel and desire. Self-care kindness to self and knowing what you feel need and desire and this is what puts you at the center of your psyche and then even when you are overgiving, you're conscious of it and through that consciousness of it then you can go okay I get why I feel tired right now or okay I'm gonna have to make up with for this with extra self-care like then you can put yourself back in power you can put yourself back in sovereignty and agency and go oh okay now i know what i need to do and then you become a better parent and then you become a better leader because now you have 
you have substance under you. You have feet. You're not walking around on stumps. You are not a geisha. <laughs> you are not a geisha with her, cho- with her toes chopped off. It's yeah. harsh imagery. It is. But that was real. And so when people have the dysfunction of severe codependency and who are not able to get conscious very easily because it takes a lot of times, sometimes it takes years for people to get it. And I have learned to be a lot more compassionate, like not your failure, not your fault that because what's underlying it is CPTSD, complex post-traumatic stress disorder. It's the invisible stuff where you don't remember the actual grenade that made your best friend get bloody and die. Right. It's just an emotional overtake. And then we suffer from anxiety and depression as a culture. Right. And so I think we're at a great time right now during this self-quarantine period to become more aware of what we're really feeling and experiencing in our bodies because we're not running around like chickens with our heads cut off. Right. Absolutely. Right. So let's see. The needs of overgivers are a healthy community, which we talked about embodiment being in your body, because it's real easy to give, 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 give when you're not in your body because you're not feeling the effects of it anyway because you've numbed yourself out with some right. kind of psychological opium. That's what I call it. <laughs> like, I've never needed to drink. I know how to opium. I know how to opium. And I think a lot of people do. Oh, and yeah. Go, Why did that happen again? Uh-huh. <laughs> Where were you when it was happening? You weren't in your body. So coming, coming home to your body, coming home to your body, knowing what your core values are. One of the things I love about working with parents is that they have a love for their children that gives me leverage to negotiate with them to do what's best for their children. Because Mm -hmm. even if they won't do it for themselves, they'll do it for their kids. So you can negotiate with yourself that way. You go, oh, what are my core values? My core values are joy. My core values are having great memories with the people I love. Well, is overgiving going to get you that? No, they're going to hate you and resent you and they're going to step all over you and then you're going to resent them and then you're going to feel guilty because that's your addiction. It's like completely stupid, except that I'm not saying stupid as a put down. I'm saying stupid as a, oh my God, like we have really bad software running this, this escapade in so many people's lives. It's horrible. Another need for overgivers who want to become conscious, who want to heal is trauma recognition Mm -hmm. with healing strategies. And one of the healing strategies in CPTSD is recognizing the emotional broken record that overtakes you without even using language where all of a sudden you want to take a step into more power. And all of a sudden you are either checked out or all of a sudden you're distracted or all of a sudden an emergency came up and they look real. They're like, well, this happened and that happened. But after the 50th time watching someone, you're like, oh, yeah, there they go again. And you know, you're going to, you watch them. They're going to fall because you know they haven't got to the healing place. And it's like you're putting your own, what do they call that in the street when there's a hole, a pot, a pothole? A pothole. It's like, it's like, it's like you create your own pothole as soon as you decide to step into more power and then you fall into your own pothole. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's, That's why I said it's stupid. It's really, really stupid, but it's so painful. Yeah. It's that, that it, it, man, it's painful to watch. Okay. The last, the last need, and then I'll, then I'll throw the ball to you. Okay. Yep. The, The last need I have on this list, it's not a complete list, but the last need is boundaries. So just quick needs of overgivers, supportive, healthy community, embodiment, knowing what your core values are, memorizing them, trauma recognition with healing strategies, laughter, oh, laughter, 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 I forgot that, 
yeah. laughter and boundaries. And so I, I think I just put a ton on the table and I'm just going to throw the magical ball to you, my dear. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to start off with boundaries and quote Brene Brown. What boundaries do I have to have in place for me to stay in my integrity to make the most generous assumptions about you? So that when I first heard that, it stunned me and it took me probably a good couple of weeks for it to really sink in. And it's true. And and if it's stunning you, I'm going to help you like decipher it. So when you establish boundaries with Can you someone, say it again? I know I'm interrupting you. That's okay. That's okay. That was so profound. And I love it. And I would love for you to repeat it. Yeah, absolutely. What boundaries do I have to have in place? For me to stay in my integrity, to make the most generous assumptions about you. Yeah. And so, it's Debbie. You talk a lot about things being clean, clean, and yeah, like interactions between people being clean as possible, and as as possible. And so, when they're clean. With with the, no confusion whatsoever, they're very boundaried, and when they're boundaried, then that allows you to have your own integrity because you know what your boundaries are, and that allows the other person to have their own boundaries and for them to be in their integrity, mm-hmm. and so then you can assume the best things about them. You can assume the best situations, the best thought process that they are going to because they're standing in their integrity you're standing in your integrity and you're both very clear in your boundaries right and so the communication can go back and forth and everything is beautiful so but when the boundaries are not established then you know there's there's some ambiguity there and so there's room for you know there's room for more push or more pull or more give or more take. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, yeah, I just think that boundaries is, is beautiful. Laughter. Oh my God. Laughter. If you can sit down and, you know, just pull up. I know that everybody's on like Netflix, Netflix or Zulu or any one of those, those um, Amazon, you know, watching tons of movies right now, filling their time. Laughter is beautiful. Find a comedy, you know, find something. There's, um, you, you, Debbie, you had an experience yesterday where you belly laughed, which is the best thing that you could possibly do. It helps you digest, um, your food better. It produces endorphins in your brain. I mean, I don't know. After that one, I might've either, I I might've either choked or thrown up. (laughs) Like I lost it. Yes, endorphins. Yes, endor. I, I told Julie that it should count as my exercise for the day. Oh, <laughs> because because you laughed so hard. Yes. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm snort laughing just thinking about it. Okay. <laughs> um, the trauma recognition with the healing strategies, uh, like getting rid of that gramophone. I actually did a doodle months ago that you really liked of of the gramophone it's just imagine that like old scratchy record that nonsense and then that and because it's so like scratchy and you, you, you can hear for those of you who are listening who know what a record player is and know what happens when like the diamond tip on your, on your needle is a little funky yeah. or, you know, you get that little groove that's wrong that you, you accidentally took it off or your little brother came along, the little sister came along and bumped it and it went across the, you know, you get those little scratches and it drives you crazy. That's what trauma does. It puts nothing that drives you crazy. I mean, it like, you know, you're loony boot. But but you're like you know it just it kind of it frustrates you and it makes you a little a little edgy and so you know that sometimes that trauma 
is is like going into one of those spaces where you get a little edgy or you get a little foggy. Mm-hmm. And those are, you know, I think you touched on it earlier. Those are called flashbacks where you just like got to get yourself out of it. And sometimes it's just presencing yourself. Meditation. Um, I don't know. There's, there's a bunch of different ways where you can, maybe you could doodle. You could draw for a moment, just, you know, journal. Those kind of things will kind of help you work through that trauma. Um, core values, key thing. Mm. And and I know um, Brene Brown also talks about core values. And I'm trying to remember what is it like. I currently am focusing on three core values, um, resolve, independence, and um, security. Mm-hmm. And so those are my core values right now. And so, but it's, and then when, you know, the thing about core values is, you know get a list of core values and start to write them down and you know like circle like your top your top 10 if you will and then start to lean into them think about the moments in your life where you've had to make those hard decisions whatever those hard decisions were like the hardest decisions what did you lean into and 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 choose those and kind of feel those out lean those lean yeah lean into those a little bit more and see if they are actually your core values if not go ahead can you give us an example i love what you're saying um hold on i'm gonna grab a journal real quick so bear with me bear with you bear with me i think we can bear with you you know being on this podcast with you is like like, I feel like a DJ sometimes because I'm a little bit, like, afraid of too much quiet space on the air. Mm-hmm. Like, it's different. Like, on a YouTube video, it's a little bit acceptable, you know, awkward pause. Right. But for somebody who likes pauses as much as I do, that's one of the challenges for me in doing these podcasts. It's like when I'm with a friend there is time of just sitting there on the swing porch swing. There's time to sit and be mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, and there's a pace to the podcast verbally that, I mean, I know I'm even slowing down my pace right now because that's me when I'm with somebody that I just like being with. Mm. And I'm not like in teaching mode. When I'm in teaching mode, I talk faster. Right. But like when you were like, oh, I'm going to go look at my journal. And I'm like, oh, the audience. Okay. So it just like, like I want to fill the space. And uh, I guess I'm just describing my experience of it. Mm. It's embodied awareness. Yes. Yes. Because <laughs> you're like very in tune with stuff. Um, so I'm going to come back to core values for a second. So I was, I was searching for my core values. And I came up with resolve independence. And for a moment, for a couple of days, I was leaning into courage. And so the reason I, and I've, I've moved, I'll I'll just give you a little bit of background. I'm originally from upstate New York, uh, this little town at the bottom of Seneca Lake called Watkins Glen. And I moved, picked up and moved I call it my clothes, my cat, and my car. I piled everything in my car, and I drove to Florida when I was 19 and moved here all by myself. I didn't, no cell phones, no nothing. I had a map and a bunch of quarters, you know, to call him because my mom was like, call me every two hours. (laughs) So anyway, so I did that. And then I moved to Columbus, Ohio to go to art school all by myself. And then I moved back. So it's like, and during those moments, I've had to have courage to step into that. So I thought, oh, I wonder if courage is one of my core values. So I leaned into that. And so I was like, all right. So if if I'm moving into courage as one of my core values, then how am I doing it? And so I started thinking, okay, so how am I doing them by doing this, by doing that, whatever. And then I started thinking, okay, so why am I doing it? And the reason, and then, and then once I got to, okay, so I did the, how am I moving into courage? 
why am I moving into courage? So those felt, felt you know, relatively easy. They, they flowed right out of me. And then when I tapped into, now this is kind of going back to um, the embodiment part, mm-hmm. so like being in touch with your body. Mm-hmm. When, when I leaned into courage feels like, and I'll, and I'll read you what I actually wrote, trepidation. And I was like, you know, just kind of being, you know, and, and these are things like when you start to say, okay, well, a core value feels like you, it's, it's important to have emotional, to be emotionally literate. And if, you know, if, if right now at this position for those listeners out there, you know, some of you can be completely emotionally literate and some of you may only have like five or 10. And so, um, you know, emotions that you can name off off the top of your head. So I would recommend going to Google and pulling up like a list of emotions or an emotional color wheel and looking at those and trying to see if you can identify what these different feelings are in your body. And so when I started reading those things, I was like, that's maybe not too, that's maybe not in alignment with who I am right now. Mm -hmm. And so then I kind of went back to my list of core values and I chose a different one. And so, um, so that was, that was really, really good for me. So the, the core values, um, how, how is knowing that helping you navigate your calendar or navigating your day? Like what's the practical rubber meets the road? Because everything you're saying, like, I, I got it, mm-hmm. but I'm thinking about like somebody who's like a parent and they're maybe stressed and they're overgiving and they're like, okay, what does that have to do with anything? What does that have to do with how you deal with being a parent? What it like, what is how does that deal with your work? Like, how does that help you where the rubber meets the road? So like, let's say for example, um, resolve. So let's say that I'm I'm setting some goals, right? And so I'm like so when whenever I'm setting goals to I don't know, like like right now daily goals. So like tomorrow, you know, I've got a couple of Zoom calls. I've got I'm teaching a class, um, uh, and then I also have my son who just told me this evening. He's like, Mom, you know, now that I've been on, um on virtual homework for a week, it's starting to get a little bit harder. So he's starting to feel a little, so I'm thinking, okay, how is this going to help me with my calendar? So if resolve is my core value, and then let me go to the page where I wrote down what resolve meant. Cause you know, like sometimes when you're trying to figure out what your core values are, it's kind of like looking at a word and you know you spelt it correctly, but it doesn't look right. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you're like, mm-hmm. what, in, what in the world is the definition of this word? Yeah, I think I think it's true whenever you're any in any kind of like deep emotion. It's like you kind of start questioning things. Yeah. Yeah, you're like, what, what, what? Um, resolve is a firmly held belief or opinion. Okay, so if I'm looking at my goals, and one of my goals is personal management, and so does my core value line into line up with my personal personal management? So, like the different things that I want to to help continue growing. Because personal management, I think, is personal development. For me, it's personal development. Plus, it's also managing everything that I've got going on in my life. <clears throat> and so if I have resolve for my personal management, then that helps me understand that, yes, I am going in the right direction. Does that make sense? Like, like so what you're saying is, is that maybe in the past you would have your goals, but then you would let other people step all over them. And now with a sense of an embodied sense of, wait, one of my core values is resolve. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Then when it comes to negotiating what you're going to do with your actual time, regardless of what you put on your calendar on Sunday, like you have less guilt and more resolve and more sense of, 
no, I'm doing the right thing for myself because I said so, because I know what my core values are. Like you have firmer ground to stand on. That's what I'm hearing. Yes, that's absolutely accurate. And thank you for articulating it. That's what I do. (laughs) I know. That's what you love about me so much. (laughs) That's one of the things. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. So, um, so yeah, so then embodiment, you really touched on very well. And then the CPTSR or CPTSD. So I know that you touched on that. So yeah, I just wanted to kind of embellish on all of those. So. Mm -hmm. Oh, and I'd like to add to that, that if people want to know more directly about CPTSD, just look up the book complex PTSD. Mm -hmm. It's by Pete Walker and it is tough stuff, but it is brilliant. And if you have issues with overgiving and you are willing to acknowledge the trauma that might be underneath that, that book is a lifesaver. It is just a lifesaver. So like, I love my sanctuary book and, and I acknowledge it's a gateway. So it's free for download at joybaseliving.com. If you go to Pete Walker, I think.com, you can get all kinds of resources from him or, you know, get his book complex PTSD. We have, all of us within our group who've been using that as a, a main tool, mm-hmm. um, there has been a very distinct before and after. Oh, yeah. And specifically, I mean, if you really want to go straight for the bullseye, because we have a guilt grenade going on here, so this would be the opposite. <laughs> if you want to go straight for the bullseye, go to chapter nine. Um, it's going to confront you with things that you don't want to feel. But if you really put yourself in the position of like, would I let my best friend have these feelings and you're an overgiver? Yes, you would. And so when you go through chapter nine, like really let yourself feel like you are your own best friend. And that as much as those feelings that he brings to the surface here of your awareness, um, as much as they might trigger you to be like, Oh my gosh, no, 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 can't do that. All those feelings are doing, if, as long as you don't embrace them and release them and heal them, is that they will just serve to keep you small and to keep you overgiving and to keep you in, inside of the resentment and guilt that will just perpetuate. So, um, you know, it, it's funny. It's like we're joy-based living and we talk about these things that can be a little bit heavy because what we've realized is that joy is natural. It's a natural champagne bubbly state of being that every baby knows. And we actually have to learn ourselves out of it. And so what we're doing at Joy-Based Living is unlearning those habits. And it's really not about like, we have to face our feelings of blame and our shame is just blame turned inward. And so we have to face all those feelings Um, but just recognizing that the joy that you're looking for already lives inside of you and that you can continue being an overgiver. And as, as long as you do it consciously, you can actually create a really great life for yourself. Oh my gosh. I can't believe I forgot this. I meant to say this first. (laughs) What? I did. It was on my mind and, and it's such a big deal. Like I've created a whole program around this one idea, but I haven't really like named it. One of the greatest gifts of overgivers is that we are the biggest, we will put the biggest spotlight Mm. of attention onto people that we admire and love. Yes. And if you think about that in terms of career and leadership and networking, if you're surrounded by other overgivers and you've consciously become somebody who's able to receive, you will become really rock solid strong in everything you do because it is one of your superpowers <laughs> and it is one of the strongest superpowers. And one of the things that happens for overgivers in networking communities is that they feel lost and invisible and taken advantage of and cold. Mm-hmm. And so I created a a networking community for myself called wholehearted networking. And, and I was bumping into this challenge of like, well, how many going to get overgivers to promote themselves? They're going to either overdo it and have too much ego, but not really enough self-esteem underneath, 
or they're gonna underdo it and it's gonna take like you know moving like donkeys (laughs) come on you know (laughs) and 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 so then it just hit me because I know that every every problem that has an extremity to it it always has a solution that's really simple if you look at it from the right angle so I was like, okay, okay, I'm not going to fight this. What's the real solution here? And then all of a sudden it was so obvious to me. I was like, we're a bunch of overgivers who are conscious. All we have to do is freaking spotlight each other. Yes. Like it's so easy. It's so simple in the right conditions. And, and for somebody like that to go to a regular networking meeting and do that, they'll just, they usually just get lost in the crowd. Oh, yeah, because they don't know, you know, like you said, it's either – you know, they're, they're putting themselves out there, but they don't have like the Mm -hmm. self-esteem underneath it. Right. Yeah. And, and so then people either take advantage of them or they'll, they'll get lost because they don't know how to communicate clearly because of CPTSD. Right. Because you learn ways of being, you know, imagine Cinderella going around going, I'm awesome. She would never do that. She wore a beautiful dress, Mm -hmm. but she's not going to go promoting herself in the same way that someone at a regular networking meeting might. And um, so anyway, I'm calling it wholehearted networking and it is a 25 year dream come true for me that just launched this last Wednesday. And so if, if you think that you might be right for something like that, just go to joybaseliving.com and check out wholehearted networking. Um, One of my fears right now is that I don't ever want these podcasts to be a sales pitch. I'm not interested it's just if there's something that i have that might be right or that michelle has that might be right i want us to be available like beams of light like uh like lighthouses so um i want you to keep taking as much as you can from these podcasts you don't owe us anything the only thing that we would love is for you to continue sending in your comments and your feedback somebody sent you some feedback this week i think michelle for your youtube station and um, you got a few thumbs up, I think. And then you said someone sent you some information that said, maybe you could put some music on in the background. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was really darling. <laughs> like, okay, that is so cool. Um, so anyway, keep on the lookout. We're going to keep like doing our best to give you our best. And we're just going to put out more and more goodies for you. Let us know what you love and what you'd like more of. And uh, Michelle, I feel complete. Is there anything else you can think of? No, I think we've covered it all. I feel complete too. I think so too. So my name is Debbie Happy Cohen. I am with the great Michelle Stone. (laughs) And we are at jointbaseliving.com. And you can find us under the tag, not under the tag, under the, uh, just click the menu item, Lioness, or go to the search bar, and type lioness at the bottom of the website and this is episode number 33 so you'll be able to see michelle's guilt grenade in green um it's quite nasty and a list of uh, all these topics and some other visuals that we think you would really enjoy thank you again everyone for being our listeners and for being such wonderful audience members and we really appreciate Really appreciate you letting us make a difference in your lives. Absolutely. Thank you ever so much.